Saying it was a bad fall. <laughs> Jesus Christ! This was this was a truly awful episode of One Night More. Oh, I, was, I was even considering kicking off, downing a beer, or <laughs> something just to really, really emphasise it. Oh dear, not a good show. Two weeks out from WrestleMania, the penultimate Raw before WrestleMania. My arm gets tangled in my headphone wire. A truly <laughs> just like momentum destroying and everything like that kind of failing episode. It was one of them. Where if I'm giving it a grade, it's the kind where I rate it really low just because almost everything it touched had a negative feeling to it, which takes quite something. <laughs> like everything, every single thing they set up or thing ha- left me with a negative reaction. Which is like, oh, how did you even do that? Like of some form. Some things I still felt positively about, but the episode itself gave a negative thing or actually damaged it in some way. Some more than others. Some kind of fell disappointingly into, like, generic rhythm. It's like, oh, but this is WrestleMania. That sucks. <laughs> Things have fallen into that rhythm. Uh, but, yeah. And the biggest one, without question, why on earth would you break up the Hurt Business? Which is the main topic to start with. I will, it's one of those where there's so... Like, every single segment I've got something for, which is why I'm kicking off by just saying, if you... Uh, if, if or somebody who has called me an AW shill in the past <laughs> type of thing... Uh, yeah, this episode isn't going to help there. <laughs> this was a truly bad war. Um, and I'm somebody who normally tries to find the positive in this sort of thing. I don't need my phone to talk about this. <laughs> this is something I'm like, I try and find the positive. I'm normally quite, I try and be a chipper chappy and giggle my way through the crap. But this one was just bad. It was just a bad show. It was not a good one, like Raw. But should probably introduce this first before I jump right in. It's like, hello, welcome to the Wrestling Headlines Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. Links in the description, description, or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. And yes, as a penultimate Raw before WrestleMania, next week is the Go Home Show. Like next week as well. Like this is the, like this is the final NXT, like normal NXT. If I've got my dates correct, and that's completely wrong, isn't it? Because <laughs> next week is Takeover. I think we've got one more NXT on Wednesday. You know what? I'm not going to land on any of that. I'm going to check the bloody... <laughs> yeah, check the bloody dates. Uh, yeah, 13th is... Oh, yeah, so I'm right, actually. So this Wednesday is the final NXT on the Wednesday. Then it's a takeover. Da, da, da. So, yeah. As it's like... This is like next week. It is WrestleMania week, is my point. I was talking about there. And I've very kind of subtly <laughs> dropped the NXT news. But, yeah, it's the... Which personally for me is great. I watched a- NXT and AEW. I I watch on the same day, and I always watch Dynamite first, even though I view NXT. So in terms of time organization, them being on separate days, an absolute dream scenario for me. It it really does help <laughs> splitting them up, so I'm not watching them all on the same day. It's not a, nowhere near as much to get through. It's a lot easier to kind of, to kind of digest, especially when New Japan kicks off as well. So thumbs up for that. But yes, this more. So the point I was making is next week is WrestleMania week. As in, it's it's not this weekend. WrestleMania is next weekend. But you have got the takeover. You have got the Hall of Fame. As in, WrestleMania week is in full swing next week. And this episode was truly bad. <laughs> really bad. And like a lot of negatives as well. 
like uh, quite often you like when you see a a thing happen on Monday Night Raw. Quite often you can uh, see a tweet about it. Cause WWE tweets about like each of their big segments. So this week with the Hurt Business, if you go onto their Twitter post for like the video of the breakup, which uh, WWE obviously tweeted out, it is entirely like why would you do that? It's, it's reactions like that. Some are obviously a bit more sweary than others. <laughs> it's kind of how it works. Me having to be YouTube friendly, uh, I'll try not. But yeah, it was not a good... It's a weird one. Because um, often you see some positive. But there just wasn't in terms of the in terms of the reception to it. I mean, you go onto Twitter feeds, normally there is some positive. But it was just... It wasn't even... Like, oh, boo, this act sucks type of thing. Or, oh, boo, boo, the boo, the Lashley, he's rubbish, this one's better from a Stan account. <laughs> or whatever. But he, this, it really was just, why would you do that reactions? Which entirely, to me, just absolutely screams, like, this was a really weird creative choice. But for me, it's not out of nowhere. Because this is what WWE does all the time. It's just that I don't even know if they realise how hot a stable they had. Uh, it, I'll get into it. We'll go through actually what happened throughout the course of the show uh, to kind of build to what happened. But Raw kicked off with Drew entering the building with a target on his back thanks to the Hurt Business bounty. After last week, Cedric and Shelton completely failed to take out Drew McIntyre. Bobby Lashley threw a gasket and like went to the jobber locker room <laughs> just to complete Drabonis. Put a bounty in Drew McIntyre's head for anyone to take him out. We'll get a match against him, the champion. Yeah. I saw some confused about whether that would have WrestleMania implications. I didn't really grab that. It was it's always just been like a loose bounty. You'll get a championship match of sorts and blah, 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 blah. And I felt like the looseness of that did play into this episode, which that bit I didn't mind. Because again, there are things I don't mind on this show, there are feuds I'm still into, but overall it's quite impressive that every single like feud they touched <laughs> got damaged in or Gave a reaction of uh, uh, in in some manner, which is quite impressive. Uh, but the show itself kicked off with the hurt business, and I'm sure that peaked on the audio. MVP reiterates uh, the bounty, and oh god no! <laughs> After Bobby talked about how irritated he is with C Cedric and Benjamin's incompetence, he beat the two up and broke up the hurt business. Why? <laughs> this is me clutching at straws, like the. The company's best stable by a country mile, and they've got the WWE Champion, and WrestleMania is next Saturday. Why split up the group now? So, it's like, in my head, I'm, I'm grasping at straws. Why would you do that? Immediately, I'm like, well, is the story that Bobby Lashley isn't coping with the pressure of being champion that well, and the pressure that Drew McIntyre is the heavy favourite to beat him at WrestleMania? Is that just on him, and he's not coping with that, and over, kind of overreacting and just bl putting blame on others, which is what Heel does quite often in these stories, but to uh, break up the Hurt Business, uh, that, that, it's a weird one. Or the, I need to elaborate <laughs> on weird as this show goes on, or the immediate instinct that Vince McMahon seems to just have where he just does not like stables, that's been reported before, you watch the show, it's evident he's not a massive stable guy, and just breaks them up at a drop of a hat. And in recent weeks, have been really pushing the almighty stuff, and Cedric and Shelton haven't featured as much until last week. So it kind of... It doesn't come out of nowhere that he's beaten the two up, because he's going off on his own as the almighty Bobby Lashley, rather than the Hurt Business as Bobby Lashley. But he didn't, like, disband the Hurt Business. He was more, you two are not in the Hurt Business anymore. So that is... 
what happened there, I guess. And uh, after the break, those uh, Shelton and Cedric went to Adam Pearce and made him make a match for later in the show against Drew McIntyre, which seemingly what the match was changed over the, the course <laughs> of what happened there. But it uh, it ended up being, uh, I think it was it was just going to be Shelton versus Adam Pearce. And I thought before the break, they said it's going to be a handicap. I was like, wait, I thought it was Shelton. We get to it, it was a Shelton thing. So I say it changed. Maybe this combination's got it wrong. But we got Bobby Lashley versus Shelton Benjamin later in the night. And I think uh, Cedric was saying that, and I'll beat him up next week or something. So we're probably getting Bobby versus Cedric next week. So Bobby gets a match. We get a bit of that here where we are setting up to kind of go through next week as well. So you got next week all set for stuff. But Benjamin with gusto. Lashley, however, continuing to wrestle with such imposing purpose. Like even Cedric getting ejected in distraction wasn't enough for Shelton to steal a pin with the pay dirt. A big and powerful Bobby with those mighty spine busters setting up for the hurt lock. And he just chokes out Shelton Benjamin. And out he goes. And assumably going into Cedric Alexander, he is next week. Maybe. But then this leads into the main event segment. Where throughout the course of the show, Drew McIntyre seems to get more agitated that no one was stepping up to him to take him out or fight him. He goes into the locker room. Uh, a huge locker room. They just had full of the jobbers again. And Braun Strowman. He was there too. Just in the middle. Because all the others are jobbers. <laughs> He's right front and centre. And it was a... It's, a it's, it's weird because I thought they... I thought you'd get Drew McIntyre at least attacked by somebody. But for him to get attacked by nobody and then him to go into the locker room, like, is someone going to do something? And a couple of people tried it. Uh, Drew Gulak ended up getting headbutted. Uh, Angel Garza just launched over a little sofa. Uh, Roberto Camillo launched around as well. Ricochet, though, was finally the guy who's like, I mean, I'll fight you. But the thing that I uh, did like was that the word of the Hurt business doesn't really hold that much anymore. And, like, M Ricochet bumped into MVP. And I'm, kind of put I'm putting these two bits together here. Because, like, McIntyre, that angry charge at the Royal Locker Room, shouting at them uh, for no one stepping up to, to the plate to take him down. In the end, Ricochet agreeing to a straight-up matchup. Like, and he bumps into MVP, MVP just explaining, like, to MVP that that his and Lashley's words don't mean anything at this point. Like, why would they take them at that offer? But Drew's does. So if Drew is on uh, basically a, on this agreement <laughs> that if anything happens to him, then there will be like some sort of championship things. Like yeah, then I'll have a match against him. I'll I'll believe Drew McIntyre. <laughs> so he will happily beat Drew McIntyre to do that to take that opportunity. And that's what happened in the main event. Drew McIntyre ends up running like a mini gauntlet as he faces Ricochet, who, again, taking an opportunity to get launched around by one of the WrestleMania main eventers. The more things change. Uh, Rico Ricochet did manage to ground the big Scott to climb up high, but McIntyre rolled out the way to follow up with a quick Claymore win. Then, Drew McIntyre and Mustafa Ali. Why was the match so quick? Well, because Ali attacked from behind, uh, with Drew shouting at him to man up and face him. Uh, more one down, this time against a baddie, uh, McIntyre's Claymore, another... Just Claymore's the hell off of another lower mid-carder. And that is when he called out Bobby Lashley for the final part of this mini-gauntlet thing. And he calls out the WWE Champion. The two chat crap and kind of amp each other up into a fight. MVP was on commentary for the show. Just getting a sighing. <laughs> he just had a sighing commentary. As Lashley was not holding back to WrestleMania. Which is a little trait 
of continuity. MVP has said week after week, hold no, wait for WrestleMania, hold it off for WrestleMania. Seemingly every single week he's said that. So this isn't like a trait out of nowhere or something. Like, no, MVP's been saying this every single week. So nice to see consistency. And it's WWE. I applaud them with consistency. Again, not something I should be applauding. Storytelling basic. <laughs> but I applaud WWE when they do it because the era we're coming out of. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah. He's just sighing at Lashley getting into it with McIntyre. And Drew, Drew knocking Lashley's out of the ring only for SmackDown's King Corbin to jump in. King Corbin. Right. So breaks up the Hurt Business for King Corbin. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Allowing Lashley to ground McIntyre for the night with the Hurt Lock. Uh, going for it three times before posing with the championship and McIntyre completely out of it. And yeah, this got a lot of... The phrase I would use is hate, but that kind of moves it a bit too close to heat when it's not heat this got. I guess it's closer to disappointment. I guess that's how I'd word it, where the Hurt Business broke up and this is what we've gone into as well. And in my, again, in my class, uh, like kind of grasping at straws, I was like, I put it out onto Twitter just to ask, like, am I right in remembering that back when Corbyn was GM, he and Lash, uh, so he, Lashley and Drew were the trio that like tanked the ratings as the big heel group, like the mid-card vortex beating up Roman every week, like a carryover feud, I think it was. Um, I can't it was. Uh, James Boyd replied to me saying it was like a round Survivor Series time where this kind of vortex happened, and apparently it was the same show... Oh, I've just got an itch. <laughs> On the same show of this mid-card vortex of Corbin, Lashley and Drew completely tanking the ratings, that was the same week as Dean Ambrose with the gas mask on. And it's like, oh my word, that home run, <laughs> home run bad ball, <laughs> swinging for the fences. Um, but yeah, so that group being a part of history, I'm like, that's not a strong enough reason to break up your stable. But I'm, I'm that's something for me to try and find a positive thing for me to kind of clasp onto. Like, was there a reason you did this? And it's like, well, there's, I guess, history when Corbin was raw GM. And Bobby Lashley, and then you've got oh look how far this ring, this uh, mid card vortex has come. Once not long ago, they're taking the ratings. Now they're main eventing WrestleMania. It's not good. <laughs> it's for, for me. Baron Corbin is like fantastic in that upper mid card kind of area where he can step up in a main event match, but he's never going to win a title. And I wouldn't really have him like headline a pay per view, for example, <laughs> like 2019. But yeah, he's he's a fine. I I rate him in that position. But whenever he gets put in the main event, is for me, it's just not felt quite enough, and I've lost interest. But in the mid card, it works. Uh, that's a, as like as an act, as a as a wrestling act. That's how I felt whenever he has got those main event chances. I've just kind of zoned out and lost interest. But in the mid card, I feel really do feel like he's able to bring it. But here, that's not me saying he deserves either role. I'm just saying that's how I felt when I've seen those roles. But yeah, the fact that. Corbin comes in kind of as the replacement for Cedric and uh, Shelton. And I don't know if the idea... So the other idea I've seen floating about, which is one of those saving graces that feels like there's no possible way it's true. You're, cla- you're crutching at straws, <laughs> like I am for positives, <laughs> where, he be- where he broke up with Shelton and Cedric simply so they're not in the Hurt business because the stipulation at WrestleMania is no members of the Hurt business can interfere in the match. 
well, what if Cedric and Shelton aren't part of the Hurt business? Well, then they can surely run down and interfere in the match, right? And I'm like, oh, that's... No, I don't feel like that's a thing. No, for me, that's that's one of those... It's a positive that is there. Don't set yourself up for, oh, as long as this happens, it'll be all right. Because the likelihood is that is not going to happen. It doesn't really feel like that's where this is going. For me, they've been building the Almighty up and kind of putting the Hurt Business stuff to the side. And this was a formal kind of carrying out of that. As Bobby Lashley rises to the top, he just gets rid of Cedric and Shelton. They just go to the side because it's all about Bobby Lashley as the main champion. Like, I've got rid of you two for keeping me down. When again, I just feel like, oh, but you see it all the time. (laughs) They can have a really strong, like, top guy of a stable who's even more difficult to take down because you've got those outside interference guys. And I, was, I think it's a complete different view on stables as the guy actually running WWE, who, who clearly doesn't like them. Uh, yes, they form every now and then, but like they're not going to be part of like a main event plan or anything because not his jam. It's like, yeah, it's not your thing. It's not your thing. Oh well, that, that sucks for me. But yeah, I would, I would not go in <laughs> kind of with this massive expectancy that you're going to get a, a swerve that the stable still exists in the main event of a night of Wrestlemania when like you know that's not a thing the guy running the company likes <laughs> so it's I feel like you're setting yourself up for failure if you go with that I mean to be so in terms of review of this <laughs> let's get back to this teaming up with Baron Corbin is obviously going to get a lot of negative reaction and that's why you see people kind of jump to that that thinking of well, surely he's not actually broken up with the Hurt Business. It's all for show. Or it's all to get round a little kind of inconvenience that's there. But like the way it happened, where that was set up by their incompetence, then he beats them up to get them out or type of thing. And it doesn't feel... And then they them challenging two-way match? It's like it feels just way too many steps for them to be doing a trick. And if they do do that, it's more like hindsight booking. Uh, I mean, they've got the time. But it's not, again, that's not a thing the guy running the company would push, <laughs> particularly. Uh, so it feels a bit out there. But it's still, it's Hurt Business, one of your hottest acts, and an African-American stable with like zero stereotypes attached to them, are getting extremely over to the point where one of them is now the top champion going into WrestleMania. And you split them up because he's getting a main event Push, so you want to focus on him? You can do that without splitting them up. You don't need to split them up to do that. <laughs> so, uh, I think for me, it's the point that this, as I not my camera, this is a stable that got incredibly over. A stable that people were actually a draw for some people, and uh, it's yeah, it's just old habits die hard kind of thing, where every single stable or team gets prematurely broken up. It's a WWE trend. And this is the next example of that. Where it was an act that was genuinely over. You've got a really strong unit here. Break them up. It's like, well, that, no, <laughs> I won't do that. Uh, unless. Uh, and that's why I at straws. At the thing of, was, is this calling back to when the three of them were a group attacking Roman Reigns? Is this some form of thing to that? For me, this is purely trying to set up a bigger match for Drew McIntyre that isn't a repeat match. For the final roll before WrestleMania, and it is nothing more than that. <laughs> um, the raw this week did set up next week's raw quite a bit, 
And that's why this, for me, just falls in line with that. We've got a lot of matches set up for next week. Not all as exciting as others, but that's what this screamed to me. This is a two-week thing with uh, Baron Corbin, King Corbin. He's coming over, he's going to face you, McIntyre, back off he pisses. And that, that's what this was. There's nothing more to it. It's nothing to do with a callback. It's nothing to do with like a big hurt, hurt business con or anything. It really just is. And it's not even... for The bright side is, I don't believe this is... Bobby Lashley replacing the Hurt Business with with Baron Corbin because I truly believe he's just going back to Raw sorry going back to Smackdown after he's had his match on Raw next week with Drew McIntyre it was a again it's a way to to kind of keep Drew McIntyre in his feud with Bobby Lashley without him having to face certain guys and he can't face the Hurt Business anymore so you have to give Bobby Lashley a new lackey for Drew McIntyre to beat who is Baron Corbin yeah it's it's not massively filling with confidence. And it's what I mean by somewhat damages a feud I'm still into. I'm still into Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. I feel like over the, the course of a longer period of time, they've still done such a strong job of building these two up that the match itself still feels like it's going to have some gusto to it. And the <laughs> the moving match graphics for it. Drew McIntyre, what are you doing, lad? <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, great stuff. But yeah, it's... It's, it it this was this for me did damage it a bit. Again, it's not enough for me to not care about the match at WrestleMania. I wouldn't say I'm overly excited about anything on the show. I'm not getting hyped excited about really any particular match on it. But that said, I am looking forward to a few things, and this is one of them. They have not destroyed my interest in this match. They've not completely broken it beyond repair. This was standard WWE decision making. And I kind of feel like we're in that era where we're just wanting these little tropes to just fade away a bit, but they're still there. As in, I said it last, there were a few things I said last week, what well, I predict next week, da, 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 this will happen and that will happen. And it's like word for word, like not word for word, but like action for action, it's exactly what happened this week on Raw. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I don't like that I can do that. I don't like that I can watch the thing on Raw and just go, oh, I can see, I see what you're doing here. You're running that pattern that you always run. Therefore, next week, this match is going to happen because they always face each other. Like that kind of thing. And it's exactly what happened. It's like spinning the wheel, spinning the wheels of a feud by having the acts consistently, like, re- and kind of consistently re- enact with each other. I can't think of a bloody word. <laughs> they consistently in matches with each other or scenario with each other and you can predict like almost pattern for pattern what's going to happen. And I don't like that. That's what, for me, screams change-up is when your product is so repetitive that it becomes pre- uh, predictable beyond a joke, in a way. And that's what Raw is to me now. Raw to me... Uh, again, not every episode is as bad as this one. This is a bad example of it. Because even when like, that pattern happens, you're seeing repeat matches, repeat segments, you can then predict what that segment's going to lead to the next week, kind of beat for beat, because it's become... so. so some, some things are so in that, stuck in that pattern. But... When the flow is also bad, and when your the pay per view matches themselves get damaged by what you do in there as well, it's like yeah, yeah. Except what I'm talking about there is just like show pattern and tuning in every single week. What's the uh, how do you keep the stories going? That sort of thing. Uh, this was like what actually happens in those segments, and yeah, God, the splitting up the hurt business. It's it's I think it's more disappointing because it's one you could see coming from a mile off, and you're just like you don't need to do this. There's no reason to do it, but I know you're going to. And then they did it with seemingly 
there isn't much of a follow-up other than giving Bobby Lashley a match next week. Is that, that's, that's, for me, that's the most like depressing thing about it all. It's like, yeah, again, this major stable, and they were broken up to give the champion and the challenger a match for the Raw before Mania, and that's about it. I can't, I don't see where it's going after that. Which is, again, which is why you see these wild ideas of what if they are just tricking us all and it's a massive con and the, the two are going to run out of WrestleMania and save Bobby Lashley. Because they're no longer part of the Hurt Business, therefore they're allowed there, right? So yeah, but that's where, when you do something like this in this way and it's seeming where's it going, it's not going anywhere, is it? Well, we surely it's going somewhere. See, then you think of something. And uh, I think that's the most disappointing thing for me. For the answer to, it's taking me 20 minutes, but the answer to why break up the Hurt Business the answer was to give Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre a match for the Raw before WrestleMania. And there is no further reason than that. It's like, oh, we can split them up, then we can do the this match this week and this match next week. Cool. No other reason. <laughs> and that absolutely sucks. <laughs> At least this is a breakup, which has been kind of teased a bit. You've seen tensions in the group. This hasn't come out of complete nowhere. Last week as well, there was Bobby Lashley just ha- almost having his final straw and going elsewhere to get the bounty. It, yeah, it was... It's not out of nowhere. It's something you've seen coming. But with a group like this, it's always... Uh, for me, it was like, this is a prime opportunity to show tensions within a group, but at the end, they kind of overcome it and become a bit stronger, and they're still a tight unit after all of it. But no, it's a t- standard fare, which sucks. <laughs> um, yeah... It's one of those things where if you've been watching for long enough, you've seen the same patterns, but you realise that that variety just... It needs fresh eyes. And I feel like more under... I'm not saying it was better under Heyman, but it was definitely less repetitive. And sometimes... I feel like quite often the three hours under Heyman would struggle a bit, as in the flow of the show wasn't always as grand, but you got a lot more variety of what was happening within there. Uh, under this Pritchard era, there's a hell of a lot of repetition and it becomes extremely predictable, which is a sh- I don't want it to be that way. I'm not saying, oh, look at me smart. I'm saying, no, you're va- you're writing in such a kind of basic manner, the standard manner, that it's incredibly easy. You know where it's going when it starts. It's like, and sometimes something like this, oh, it sucks. Yeah. But yes, and that's my feeling pretty much all of Raw. <laughs> well, there are little bits in there that made me chuckle that I kind of like, yeah, this is decent. But overall, not a good Raw did the opposite of getting me excited for WrestleMania, where I find myself kind of moaning about little things when really, the none of at this point, none of what I'm saying should be on my mind. And I shouldn't care, <laughs> really. What should have, really, my feeling right now should be just excitement for the match. But they've thrown other things in my face, seemingly a bit convolutedly for no reason. Like, you don't need to do this. <laughs> I think that's my big takeaway from this. Like, you're making it way more difficult than it is to do something like that. Like, uh, Bianca Sasha, for me, is a perfect example of this. Like, this is a really simple feud to kind of write and get across. And I've seen a, like, a, variety, a variety of people across different outlets, uh, across different countries, put it like this. But, and obviously their ideas aren't all identical, but it's just that the idea of the really insanely confident champion and the challenger who is insanely athletic and really believes in her abilities, that story isn't difficult to write, but they made it difficult. <laughs> and it wasn't until Fastlane until they finally got on course for it. It's like, yeah, it's, I feel like Raw is a lot like that in a way. It's like, it's not that difficult. 
you're making it difficult <laughs> for no reason. Um, yeah, women's championship as well. More, what I don't repeating the exact pattern. Like it's like bloody hell. Can you not come up with? This is what I mean by repeating stuff. When he gets to the war women's championship and they're doing the exact same angle they have just done for Sasha and Bianca. Forgot her name. For Sasha and Bianca. Like the exact angle they've done with the women's tag team championships, and they're doing it for the raw one as well. It's like surely, surely he could come up with something else. <laughs> he don't have to repeat the same story, <laughs> right? Uh, and again, it's tag team champions facing tag team champions with Charlotte and Asuka facing tag team champions with Bianca and Sasha back at the Nation Chamber as well. That there's no variety here. Both women's titles having the exact same building story. What's going on here? <laughs> I'll get to that a bit later, but let's go and moan about the show in order. First off, Matt Riddle versus Sheamus. So this is a kind of like relatively enjoyable uh, match. It's just one I've seen a lot. So this is where, again, positives. Matt Riddle and Sheamus are good together. I do enjoy watching Matt Riddle and Sheamus wrestle. The downside, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> I've seen Matt Riddle and Sheamus wrestle a lot. And I did sigh. This is what I mean by, even though it's something I might be into, that like I'm fine watching Riddle and Sheamus wrestle at WrestleMania. That's not a bad idea, not a bad pairing. I'll be perfectly happy watching that. I did let out a sigh when to set that match up. You give us that match two weeks out from WrestleMania. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm going to see it in two weeks. Don't need to set it up with a match or a screwy finish to kind of amp one of them up or anything. Definitely a different way to go around this. Um, but yeah, again, these are all things that feel like really are highlighted by competition. And even NXT doesn't do it. But that competition where to set up a title match, they don't always have to feature... Like, the champion will be out there, but they're not always in a match against the champion. There's a massive WWE crutch that really, over time, kind of hinders the shows. Like, the variety just hits you some weeks when the show... When the show quality... Because it happens with AEW as well. Sometimes the show just doesn't... Uh, it's a setup show where it doesn't massively hit home. But you've got variety in there. You're not watching the same thing again. When you have that episode, and you're watching the same things repeat, it's like, oh... No, it hurts more. <laughs> it hurts more. But yeah, Raw cannot escape the rematch pit. Like, even with a nice little build with Sheamus beating the champion up backstage, like, that was right in front of them. He beat him up. And once again, Matt Riddle, 100% the heel. <laughs> he goes up to Sheamus, lists off every single stereotype he can think of. Obviously, Sheamus has his right to beat him up. <laughs> of course, Sheamus is the good guy in this. <laughs> Especially as an English Irishman. Like, yeah, I am... Um, 100% on the board with Sheamus. <laughs> Matt Riddle is the heel. <laughs> no question here. Uh, anyway, but in terms of like building up that story, like, no, for some reason, you have to pin the champion. Don't get that. Yeah, these two had great matches a few months ago. Another booking crooks to set up a title match, you pin the champion. No need to. There is no need to. You've got a massive mid card. Sheamus could have beaten up anyone. That It's fine. You've already set it up. Matt Riddle can still be annoyed. Don't have to do the match. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, for some reason they have to pin the champion. Uh, these two had a great uh, set of matches a few months back, like a go, and this was no different. Their two styles mix really well. Uh, to be fair, Sheamus on his hot streak has him gelling well with everybody, but he and Riddle are particularly a strong combination. Uh, the Irishman with another tough stake bout kicks galore from the champion. Uh, a white noise on the apron, not enough to keep the man down. A big old riddle suplex off the top two in impressive fashion. A belly to belly in a belly to bellying the big pale man. Uh, I, I can talk hard, I <laughs> down hard. Uh, in the end, Seamus caught Riddle 
Cosimino high kick with a brogue knee for the win. Good to see that move get a win. I've been uh, kind of singing its praises recently. It looks great. And as a snap victory as well, I really like it. Like, after not being quick enough to the finisher draw against Lashley McIntyre, Shamu was able to catch and launch into that knee. Uh, again, winning a quick draw finish of his own. But after the match, riddled with the attack afterwards, as the commentary put over Sheamus' backstage attack before the match, it's like, ah, so that's the story why Riddle lost. None of that in-ring nonsense I just watched. I can't stop hitting my camera today. <laughs> yeah, none of that in-ring nonsense we just watched is all about the pre-match attack, which I got, again, didn't get any of that watching the match. It was a relatively contested match, and Sheamus then outdrew, out, out caught him with a high knee, hit that, and hit a knee of his own. That's me going... Hey, <laughs> Seamus Pro Kick. Hey, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they uh, did that finish. But th no, it's because Riddle was beaten down. That's why he lost. Oh, okay, uh, I mean, uh, it does it set, set up WrestleMania. I, I, he beats the champion, but the story they're telling wasn't the story I'd interpreted when I watched the end of the match. Uh, so yeah, but it's another one of you set up the title match by beating the champion. F okay. Fine. <laughs> I'm not going to be Fine, it's all right. Uh, anyway, after this, the show goes downhill. Shane McMahon exposes Braun Strowman. He's joined by Elias and Jackson Riker for some cl good classic television. <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> Shane and Mac out to expose the man as stupid again. And this time with a uh, grade card full of Ds. There's a teacher note to say that Braun Strowman needs improvement. Like a, a mock grade card. Like, oh, he got a D in this. Oh, isn't he a bit... Oh, he, needs, he can't concentrate. He's not that smart a child. Uh, it's just like, this is... The, like... This is WWE humour, which I just want to skip through. Because <laughs> it's not getting any reaction out of me. It's it's not good humour. <laughs> it doesn't make me laugh. Uh, before whacking up the jokey, crappy Photoshop of Braun in a dunce hat. Not being able to figure out a simple bit of maths. It's like, yeah. It's like, Jericho did it, like, 20 years ago. 21 years ago. Got a reaction 20, 21 years ago with the crappy Photoshop. And Jericho, again, Jericho's pres presentation of it is something else. Because <laughs> he, he just had that timing. Uh, Shane McMahon does not have that timing. And weirdly, in this run, has lost all charisma. <laughs> I don't know what's happened here. That There were words of, oh no, he's kind of doing this kind of style of delivery on purpose. Because it kind of got a bit of heat when he was just a bit off that one time. So why not repeat it? It's like, Really? Like, it's just actively not good. <laughs> and it, quite often with these ones, the joke is, it's not meant to be funny. It's meant to be the heels finding it funny. And you're like, but that's not funny. Um, but Chris Jericho, for me, found that line where you got that feeling, but it was, it, it did get a little reaction out of you. Even though, you know, you know it's silly. <laughs> it's still got that reaction out of you. But it worked once then, and it's just become the thing you do. So it's just, it's just a trope now. Crap. It, crap. <laughs> Let's just move on. That's a perfect review of it. Just, yeah, move on. Uh, yeah, it happened. And in terms of, like, as a segment, in terms of review of it, it got no reaction out of me whatsoever. Not a great sign. Is it not even a, oh, this is trash. Literally, I had it on. No emotion. Didn't write, as in I wrote what I saw in terms of the notes. But I didn't write down any emotions. I just wrote down this happened. Right, let's move on. <laughs> I was like, I should probably elaborate for the review, right? <laughs> like, no. I think the best way to review it, crap. Uh, Braun Strowman versus Jackson Riker. A big man versus much bigger man. <laughs> but it's it's slightly clunky and they charge at each other a lot. 
And uh, yeah, they played the train noise again. <laughs> I don't want to say it's getting over with me, but it didn't annoy me as much as it did last week. If that counts as getting over. Uh, Strowman won the power slam, with the power slam, sorry, as he stared longingly into Shane's eyes. I can't speak anymore. Longingly, I'll take it. <laughs> stared longingly into Shane's eyes. That's just when you really, really can't stop staring at them. Right, the dirt sheet starring the Miz and John Morrison. So, when I said there were some positives in here, I generally didn't hate this music video as some others I'd saw. I thought, yeah, it's, it's fine. Like, John Morrison's timing, it gets reactions out of me, but it is that, I know this, it's, it's that joke I'm talking about where you watch it, you're like, you know this is crap, but it got a reaction out of me regardless, but in the knowing that it's crap. And for me, this is the difference between this and the Shane one was just when you got somebody who can deliver it, but you're going with the exact same style of humour, but you've got someone who can actually deliver it. Like, it's night and day. And I feel like this being after the Shane thing, for some people, will be like, oh my God, this show. <laughs> but for me, it just highlighted, no, when you've got people with actual timing, even when the writing is the same level, like, there is that massive, incredible difference. It's, uh, as people realise, it's the John Cena effect. Like, as soon as he left and he realised, oh, wait, no, this man's been holding up the crap creative writing f for years. <laughs> he's been a saving grace. Like, it had probably fallen downhill years ago, but because he's so good, he didn't even realise. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so the uh, duo of Biz and Morrison debuted their new single with a diss track against Bi uh, Bad Bunny, the Hey Hey Hop Hop uh, music track combo. <laughs> like, and how could music awards not be calling with lines like, didn't your cousin lose a race to a tortoise? We kick harder than Chalk Norris. Oh, we kick harder than Chalk Norris. <laughs> they made it rhyme with tortoise. Uh, yeah. My accent does not rhyme tortoise with Chuck Norris. Because it's Norris. <laughs> to get to a fit. Yeah. Uh, that's the level of line I'm working with. Uh, Miz crying tears of joy as he practices his acceptance speech. Joy that wouldn't last long as Bad Bunny and Damien Priest made their way out to take the piss. Uh, you can only say one naughty word strikes again and Damien Priest translates Bunny calling Miz a bitch. And who knew that Bad Bunny could throw such a great worked punch? <laughs> so, again, a positive within the crap show. Bad Bunny, oh, he could throw work... Yeah, good Yeah, good for him. Uh, nice to... I mean, that, that bodes well for the WrestleMania match when it's like, oh, no, he can throw a, a nice work punch. Uh, nice to have a feud with a feeling of animosity as well. I felt like on the entire show, this was the only one... And maybe what happened at the end of Raw will be enough for Drew to have massive animosity against Bobby Lashley. Uh, as it feels, again, there is that painting of Lashley becoming more and more desperate and doing, again, more and more to take Drew McIntyre down. I feel like next week, Drew might be at that level uh, against uh, Bobby Lashley. The main event worked it a bit, but I didn't particularly feel it. This is the one storyline on the entire Raw side of the WrestleMania card that, for me, has some feeling of animosity going into it. It's the Miz versus Bad Bunny. It's the celebrity match. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's probably explains why I'm not that into a lot of the matches when there's only one that I feel like has a feeling of animosity to it. Uh, but it's nice. Anyway, this is setting up to be like one of the stronger WrestleMania celebrity matches. Like everything about it kind of is ticking boxes. Uh, then we get to the start of creepy stuff with uh, Randy Orton setting the scene for later, who doesn't appreciate the games with Fastlane being a trap, as Alexa knew the whole time she could bring the demon back. At WrestleMania, he's going to deal with The Fiend once and for all, and then later in the show, because I might as well just talk about them together, we went to Alexa's Playground, which is the interview ring with the uh, swing set there, and with the Alexa's Playground of graphics behind. Uh, uh, Alexa gave the history of the Jack in the Box, which I do like, 
just a, a little symbol of like the feeling of the act that they go for where it's her with she is in control of when the demon or when the fiend goes boop <laughs> it's meant to be as a whoo he's here type of thing she's the one in full control of that and yeah I I like the her giving the history of that at WrestleMania they make sure the legend of Randy Orton dies so I've seen quite a few say she said at WrestleMania Randy Orton will die I was like pretty certain before that she did say make sure the legend of Randy Orton dies. Why was the legend killer of Randy Orton dies? Oh, that's irritating. <laughs> did I write it down wrong? I'm losing confidence in my note taking. Um, but the thing I did like, I did like as well. The camera pans, and out you see sitting right next to her is the charred fiend sitting on the swing set next to her. I still love the idea of the resurrected fiend being him in body but with none of the humanity. Like, pure 80s slasher sequel nonsense. <laughs> Doesn't mean, like, I'm in on it all. Like, I'm like, oh my god, I'm suddenly amazingly in on this feud. But I do like that bit. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I do like that bit, though. <laughs> I like The Fiend being The Fiend in body, but he's pure, mindless slasher horror thing. As in, you've brought him back, but to what cost? Because there's no humanity left in him. But Alexa can control him with the jack-in-the-box. <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. So again, I feel like this is the only segment which didn't have like a, a massive damaging thing, but it also didn't really build in a, anything for me to care about. It was more of a, oh, that's a nice little detail um, with the jack-in-the-box stuff. But yeah, the Randy Orton promo didn't take things any further than they already were. It's kind of kept it at the same level. Didn't get any more interviewed whatsoever. It's like, oh, Randy Orton's talking. Missed a lot of what he said. Uh, it doesn't mean it's crap delivery. It's just that we see it so often. <laughs> I've got to that point where they just gel together and I just... Don't remember Randy Orton programs anymore. Uh, but yeah, the uh, Brain Lex stuff is definitely memorable. I'll give them that. And it's setting up relatively... I would say this is the one story which didn't get damaged in some fashion this on this Raw. Because it, it's going the exact direction, same direction it's always been going. And if you're not on board now, you're not going to get on board by WrestleMania. <laughs> I don't know how the match will go. I, I doubt it'll get people on it. Uh, especially if their plan is to murder Randy Orton. <laughs> we'll see what that is. Um, but yeah, it's like a massive homage to cheesy 80s slasher sequel stuff. So I'm not... Like, if you're not on board already, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to get you on board, but they're going for that same tone, that same audience that are liking it. They're not changing it up massively. They're sticking with it all. Um, so if you're if you're already in another feud, this and Raw did not damage it like it seemingly did everything else. Like, whoo, it was gone by. Uh, if you're not into it at all same amount of damage as normal <laughs> so it makes it difficult to review that one because I'm somebody who I'm, I don't hate it but I don't love it either so I'm kind of just in the middle with it and I judge it like week on week like did I enjoy it this week or not and I'm somebody who I like some creative stuff in there but it still has to be done well and they've gone a lot more outside the box with this but it doesn't mean it's always been carried out well <laughs> or delivered well uh, but the ideas at least are adding variety to the show to a show that desperately needs it it's my one of my bigger reasons why you never take a comedic character like Toriyano or Colt out of a wrestling tournament you know, Toriyano in the G1 for me plays a vital role of variety and it's just one act but it's enough for me to add a bit of variety like you know you get something different with the Fiend stuff um it's sometimes very tonally similar to its own little world. <laughs> it turns off from one week to the next, you may in your head be like, I can't even remember what was said on which week because they're so similar. 
But it's different from everything else on the show. So uh, there's that. Anyway, time for nothing. It's the best way to put it. Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax versus Naomi with Lana. They got next to nothing. Uh, Carmella uh, put out a tweet uh, earlier today. Always after the show, whatever it is. I'm English. It was the morning for me. Uh, just saying uh, a whole three hours and they got ten minutes. And that would include the Asuka Ripley stuff after this and including this match as well. This was a quick match that felt like it was in a division building to nowhere. Uh, AKA wasting my time. <laughs> Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke on commentary as it really hits me just how flat this show felt. It's like, wow, this show felt flat. And I feel like like a lower point of show momentum, it does happen sometimes. Doesn't necessarily mean the bad show has been awful. Uh, like, it's a really quick match at that point. It's just a low, low momentum point, you put on a quick match. You, have, you get that now and then with all. But without a high point beforehand, like, oh, well, the mellow feeling really hit. Like, we're at a certain level. We'd had a, oh, that's nice, kind of promo from Alexa. And then you go into a nothing match after that. And it's just like, this is a very mellow feeling, not high stakes feeling more at all at this point. Uh, yeah, the, the match I, I set up for what will surely be a triple threat match at Mania continues. And this match was so nothing, nothing, I've not even noted down the match. <laughs> I've just noticed. I didn't even know I'd done that. I'd put a comma, so there was intention. There was intention to note it down. But I didn't even remember to do that because the match was so nothing. <laughs> and we get these uh, three teams interacting with each other in some fashion every single week. And this has been the segment where they've got the short match before. This isn't the first time. And that maybe, sometimes it feels like it's time filler at times. But it's it's a currently this is a little division that's going nowhere, and uh, a little commentary. One thing that made me laugh was Dana Brooke. I think it was it's for her, either her or Mandy. Just said, oh, there's so much comp- uh, so many teams of competition in this uh, raw in the women's tag team scene. I'm like, is there though? Because <laughs> it's the same three over and over again. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't exactly scream depth, and that's, that's why I'm like, surely it's building triple threat because you keep featuring that. It's one of those things where your head kind of jumps to conclusions. So it's like, well, surely they're building to something because we're seeing it every single week. You're not, not going anywhere, are you? <laughs> I'm just expecting like next week, a last minute announcement of Baser and Jax defending the titles against both uh, Brooke and Rose. And uh, do they have a team name? I can't remember if they have a team name, but no, Lana and Naomi. I feel like they do. Like, like Ravishing Glow, I want to say. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but yeah, something like that. That's, it's just because they, get, they keep being featured every week and the match is seemingly like hinting at building to something but that something never revives and it's kind of like at this point with this show again this felt felt like such a waste of time and it was again such a kind of flat moment of the show which didn't really have much momentum going into the show because of like the point it happened and what happened before it going in this was a flat point of the show and it, it was meaningless and nothing and I, I didn't take any of it in. That's like, like a, how good was this segment? I didn't even take it in. <laughs> it's that bad. I could picture in my head kind of the gist of what happened, but it's like it's it's a nothing, and the division is going nowhere, and um, it's yeah, repeat matches happening, or repeat matches, or at least the pe- same people interacting every single week, building to nowhere, going nowhere, no. No plan for them to be do it going anywhere with any of this. It's just things happening. Get them on the TV. You feel a bit of time. But it's not going anywhere. There is no plan for it. It's just a massive waste of time. <laughs> it's just 
if then if they haven't got a match at WrestleMania, it wouldn't surprise me. These there may like four of these people might even just be in like a battle royal or something, just because there is there is no plan here. It's just wheels spinning for reasons. Uh, yeah. Anyway, my favourite part of the show next. <laughs> just uh, this will absolutely highlight how low I thought of this was. But Asuka got scooted to by Matt Riddle, who was kind of just. Uh, uh, saying I was like, oh, this uh, scooter thing. Do they reckon this will be like popular like, in Japan? It'd be quite good. And I don't know what joke he was building to. I've seen some say it was the oh, I'm uh, big in Japan type of things. Like, oh, uh, it's because they're all, all small. Apparently, I, that it was is a joke which might be going to. But Matt Riddle stopped himself, and it really did feel like he's not. <laughs> he generally did forget his words. Just like, or in his head, it's constantly just like, this might be a bit racist. I'm just going to forget my word. Oh, I forgot what I'm saying. And off he goes. Uh, the face of Asuka was hilarious as well. Just like, I'm sorry, what? And just went away. It's like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Very weird, but my favourite part of the show, just because it felt like a real thing that happened. And I, like, this was Asuka genuinely doing her best not to laugh as she's meant to continue walking to the ring as Matt Riddle was going somewhere with a really crappy joke and then just was like, oh, I've, oh, I've forgotten. <laughs> just off he goes. But he's the one man on the show where that totally fits in his character just to space out. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. It's genius. <laughs> Cue uh, Tracy Morgan on 30 Rock. Like, oh no, I'm corpsing. <laughs> oh, it's going wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's genius, Matt Riddle. Please don't make this a gimmick because it's getting over. It, again, it's one of the things that got getting over because it is a like it's just a little tiny, tiny dose of the breaking character. You got to see the real them for a split second and it was infinitely more interesting then whatever the hell the crappy joke was going to be. <laughs> Infinitely more interesting. What I can guarantee, whatever was planned to be said was nowhere near <laughs> as memorable as what actually happened. Um, yeah, I it's my favourite part of the show, just because it got a reaction out of me. Actually, that's the point, actually. It turns out like everything on the show, in terms of anything that got any form of positive re reaction out of me, it legit made me laugh. And... I can't say anything else on the show got me a positive reaction, which was the intended thing they were going for. Uh, yeah, it's not a great... <laughs> not a great one. But this was my high point of the show. I generally found this hilarious. Really worried that, because this gets over, they'll treat it as, oh, they really like the idea of Matt Riddle being forgetful. Like, no, no, no. When I say it's genius, I mean Matt Riddle the man, as an employee... That's a really smart way to get out out of saying crappy lines. <laughs> he can just, whenever it's necessary, he can't pull out the card too often. Obviously, you do it every single week is a bit much. Uh, you do it like Tracy Morgan, like, oh no, I'm laughing, it's going wrong. <laughs> like, obviously not like that. But if uh, Matt Riddle, the employee, if he really does have a really crappy line, which seemingly, it felt like it was going there this week. He can just be like, he can just space out and just go, and it fits with his character absolutely perfectly. <laughs> Obviously, that's not the kind of thing where the people running the set in control would like. <laughs> like, Matt Middle consistently mucks up his lines, he's going to get in trouble. But it's genius. It's absolute genius. Like, if, it's, if the script you've been brought to say is still crap by airtime, he can get out of it. <laughs> he can just space out and off he go, and it fits your character. Uh, it's a genius move. Anyway, now for the final segment to talk about of the night, because I've already talked about the kind of gauntlet for Drew McIntyre to end the show. 
the Raw Women's Championship contract signing, Asuka and Vey Ripley. Uh, the kind of just a bit of Ripley's overconfident, Asuka's calling him out on it, Ripley owning it, contract signed, bish bash bosh. What a nice swift signing of paperwork. We'll say the dialogue itself, very generic, very scripted feeling as well. Uh, just the um, this Ripley that I was, I was like asking you are over, you are overconfident. And people are like yes, I am overconfident, uh, but I'm confident I can beat you because of this. And that's and yeah, Ripley owning it. But it's uh, uh, yeah, it felt very scripted because of the, especially when you with Rhea Ripley, I mean it's like she's somebody who again her delivery feels unique, just because of the way that she carries herself. F off if she's five foot seven. <laughs> it's just absolute example of height isn't everything. Where if Ripley five foot seven in reality, but just seven eight feet tall in personality and the way she actually carries herself, <laughs> it's like she feels infinitely taller just as because of the way that she carries herself. But yeah, this segment was to set up. Oh dear, <laughs> Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler coming out, set, setting up a match for next week for an exact copy and paste, control C, control V for Sasha Ver and Bianca. Now that Sasha and Bianca have moved on to definitely doing the WrestleMania feud, they do the exact same storyline with Ripley and Asuka. Carbon copy. And, and as soon as they came out, I was like, what are you doing? Like, you don't need to do this. <laughs> Just... You can have uh, Jackson Baszler set up their match with Rose and whatever, and the Ravishing Glow and whatever. Just do their thing there because th th they desperately need direction. <laughs> Why? Are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you over here? Uh, again, again, it's a shame because this it was going to be the exact same pattern with uh, Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Like that was the pattern too. They were interacting with Jackson Baszler a lot. Then uh, Sasha and Bianca were, and now Asuka and Ripley are. Like every single women's championship feud. Seemingly has interact has been around the tag team champions, and it's it's not it doesn't feel like oh that means that they're such an integral part of the women's division world. Like well no, it more feels like they're car like carby the carbon copying the exact same story, <laughs> and when they're doing it again with Asuka and Ripley, it's like mm. yeah another one. I will say a uh, my god <laughs> Ripley smashing the table into the face of Asuka, like poor lass with another oof <laughs> right to the face. This has been a rough road for Asuka to WrestleMania. I mean, the fact she's still champions a miracle, given just the number of things uh, that had to kind of fall her way. Uh, but yeah, it's ended up in a decent place for Asuka and Ripley. So, yeah. But yes, it's a shame, again, that Ripley had a big debut next week. Last week, it kind of felt unique and stuff. This week was a contract signing. Again, the violence of it <laughs> with the uh, to the face of the, the, the table. I thought that was grand. But the actual dialogue they gave them was just generic and just a bit stilted. And there was no unique character to it, apart from Asuka doing her... <laughs> thing, which generally makes me laugh. But yeah, her doing that... Like, and uh, Ripley says it in Australian accent. <laughs> but aside from that, the actual words being said, just generic characterless stuff. Just It gets the plot point across, but there's no character in there. Uh, like, yes, I am overconfident because of this. Oh, you're overconfident, you are. Yeah, I am overconfident. And I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania. You're not going to beat me at WrestleMania because you're overconfident. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not good. Right? I've made it worse on purpose, but it's not good stuff. Ah, oh, yeah. And that's, that's pretty much my raw. Yeah, not a good raw. And that's kind of what I mean. That I'm still excited for Asuka and Ripley as a great example of this raw did damage to a lot of stuff. It was a really bad show, but I wouldn't say it's the level of show that 
actively broke matches. It, it didn't. It, it's not got me like looking forward to a lot of the stuff for next week. Like, yeah, I, like, I'm fine with Bobby Lashley versus Cedric. Obviously, I'm not fine with the Hurt Business setting up but as a match to watch. It won't be the worst thing in the world to witness. Uh, Asuka and Ripley against Jackson Baser doesn't interest me at all just because we've seen this exact story four or five times in the last two months. <laughs> like, don't need to do it again. <laughs> Somebody else. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I didn't even... I think I've even skipped the New Day. I really... I did. I scrolled right past the New Day. <laughs> silly me. Oh, silly me. Uh, but it, it, they played games with them. And it's, it's that storyline of AJ... Uh, AJ, no. I almost... AJ, knowing the games are silly, it's like, we, we don't need... But he still wants to win the games. He's so competitive. Whilst almost is one side of, like, no. I generally... Like, no, we'll beat you in the ring. None of this kind of proves anything. None of these silly games, charades, whatever is Pictionary. Like, it really doesn't prove anything. Uh, but the thing I did predict was last week when AJ Styles faced, faced Kofi, I was like, I bet you top dollar next week AJ Styles facing Xavier Woods. Lo and behold, <laughs> here we were. We had a unique pre-match, but it was the exact exact kind of cur- tag team scene curse where you can only wrestle those people in that little world. And that is my, when I go to AW, that is my biggest pro. And I guess NXT doesn't really do it as bad either. But it is the fact that people in feuds wrestle other people. But then the feuds still continue because the viewers have this thing called a memory. Don't need to have them facing each other every single week. Or in match situations with them, the, the viewer will remember if they're doing a storyline. Well, again, the other benefit is they've got a lot longer time to pad it out whilst a lot of these WrestleMania has been last minute. So, and this is a raw you get when that happens. Uh, yeah, not a good raw. Painful. <laughs> Painful raw to get through. Uh, my, my, glad it's over. And uh, next week, it's WrestleMania week, so get on up on it. Also, yes, the uh, final NXTs on their set dates. I need to triple check. Into, oh, so this week, it'll be the final, I guess, just standard NXT on a Thursday. I will be covering NXT and Raw still perfectly fine. It's SmackDown. I'm just waiting for life to settle so I can actually do a show on a, sun, on a Saturday during the day because uh, I won't reliably be able to do one at night time every week but yeah during the day I can't do that right now <laughs> so I'm forced to watch the worst show in Raw and uh, NXT which is a hit and miss uh, to the quality really right now it's it, it, more hits since 2021's hit but in my overall time of doing these reviews yeah not a good Raw avoid <laughs> avoid this Raw <laughs> at all costs Make, like, if something grabs your interest on YouTube, that's kind of what I always say, like, the best way to watch modern-day Monday Night Raw is YouTube. Pick the segment you want. The show overall is often graining and draining, and when it's like this, you just feel sad. <laughs> it's like, why did I sit through that? Why? Why would I do that to myself? <laughs> it's just not a good show. Just bad. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. And, of course, terms of the decision-making as well. It's just like, you didn't have to do that. Why would you split up an incredibly overact? When there is no plan, really. Um, it, it's it's not quite the Iconics, because of course the Hurt Business was way more over and popular than the Iconics were, especially given the card position. But it's that same feeling of you split them up and you've got no reason to... you got no massive plan for those people who have then been split up. Yeah, Cedric and Shelton, what is the plan here? Other than next week to give the champion and challenger their match on one night more. We'll see, we'll see. I'm not massively confident. But again, WrestleMania itself, this Raw wasn't enough to completely break momentum for matches for WrestleMania. Because some didn't have a lot going into it anyway. Some, they got across the immediate story and it's fine. A Bad Bunny in the Miz is hitting the exact bar it needs to. That is perfectly fine. 
And like Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, even though the Hurt Business is like a massive negative, the match itself hasn't been hurt. That's how I review this more. It didn't, it's not an all, it can't be a zero. It can't be a nothing because it didn't actively destroy things on for the pay-per-view. As in next week, they don't have to come out and fix a load of stuff. It's not necessary. They can build fine. It's all right. It's not that bad. But to watch, it was difficult. <laughs> it was difficult to get through and he constantly questioning the amount of stuff and then he's seeing a lot of repeat matches or feuds just go just simple ways with not much variety in it. It's, like, it's a shame, it, really. Like This is the penultimate role for WrestleMania and I'm talking about how bad the show was rather than get excited about the matches. It sucks. It sucks. Anyway... I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review again. Not long till I won't be saying that anymore. And I will be... What about, what's my WrestleMania week looking like? I think it's still Raw. Then I think I'm doing one NXT show reviewing both nights because I'm not that mental because it is WrestleMania week. After Because after that, there is still the Hall of Fame and two nights of WrestleMania. Not staying up for two nights of NXT as well. Are you crazy? Uh, but I think I'll do one review for one day. I'll watch them during daytime. Uh, I think that'll be Thursday. Then uh, WrestleMania, I'll be up both nights as well. So yeah, the week of WrestleMania. I'm excited for WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to it. Did this? Were you as down on this raw as I was? Are you fine with the hurt business breaking up? Or like seemingly almost every response? Are you angry? Are you swearing? Are you going? Oh, screw this company. Or I guess a bit like me, where you just like that was just a bad decision, and it was the writing was on the wall. It was going to be a bad decision, but you did it anyway because that's the course of it. <laughs> it's just yeah. Uh, Oh, it's, it's, this doesn't scream wait and see this screams no this is the story this is it and it, it didn't go down well it was never going to go down well there were no acts. they misread the room <laughs> there's no other word to it <laughs> broken up now oh well ah, anyway I'll be back on Thursday hopefully NXT doesn't get me like this <laughs> I'd like to be happy I'd like to be happy and giggly about my wrestling Rather than, you know, this. <laughs> you break me more. Why are you tearing me apart more? Why? Uh, anyway, I'll be back on Thursday. With that, I say uh, follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. That's Damn as in Damn. I'm on Twitch as well as the Implications with two S's. Uh, I'm planning to get an NXT column out on Sunday. So that is before the takeovers. Uh, purely because it, I feel like it worked really well with a piece I wrote back in December. on that, well, I think it was about war games where I, was, I do not give a crap about war games. Because I generally am invested in TakeOver. So it's one, it's like a companion piece where I was really down on it back in December. But now I'm into it. I'm enjoying NXT. So a positive column on NXT. So, and I remember the exact people <laughs> who told me that I was nothing but an AW shill. This review won't have convinced you otherwise. <laughs> but uh, the NXT review is going to be positive for NXT. So let's see. <laughs> let's see what happens here. Uh, uh, yeah, probably the opposite from the other camp. Wait and see. Uh, but yeah, really happy that the Wednesday Wars is ending purely because in covering NXT, I watch AW first anyway, and it's a lot of wrestling for one day. So to have that spread out, oh, it's so much easier to digest. Anyway, with that, I bid you do. I stop rambling. Follow Wrestling Headlines as well, as well at Russell Headlines. It's all on the TV, on the picture screen. Uh, Facebook as well, Wrestling Headlines. It's all there. And the website itself, WrestlingHeadlines.com. I want to say come. Anyway, it's on the screen again, .com. I can read. <laughs> so that... I bid you adieu, say adios, ta-ra, ta-ra, lads. Ten.